Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about contingency planning, and we're also going to try and get uh, our shows down ever so slightly. So I'm not going to dwell on that too much, but hopefully new layout works out good, and we'll go from there. So let's get right into it, Ben. Contingency planning. So can you explain what we mean by contingency planning or what we're going to try and be covering tonight? Yeah, so with the contingency planning... We know that everything doesn't necessarily go the way we plan. So contingency planning to me is having a, a backup. A, a, so if things don't go right or if things don't go the way you plan, you're not dead in the water, so to speak. You have somewhere to go from there. Uh, I think that's essential. We, we, we briefly talked about this earlier. And when you're in the woods or whatever, you, you're kind of, left all your backup resources. You only have what you take with you. So if you haven't thought of what could go wrong, you're not really going to be prepared for what could go wrong. What's it mean to you? So contingency planning to me is, it's another layer of safety, right? As you said, it's having a backup for your main plan. So that's, uh, hey, Chris, that's that we preach that for everything that we do with safety is number one and contingency just follows along those lines. So it's giving yourself that backup plan to ensure that if you get there and something goes wrong, be it anything that we're going to talk about tonight, you at least have something in your back pocket to keep you running and to make your trip enjoyable, safe and ensure that you come home in the same condition you left in. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's how I feel. Um, we're working on coming up with ways to sort of explain and, and, and carry this on to sort of get the, the, the basic thought process to make sure you're thinking about all the possibilities when you're planning. I mean, that's the big part of my planning is when I'm planning things is what if, what if, what if. And I guess that is the, the big question we're going to ask ourselves on, on each of these, these topics. We've got basically, I think, five topics we're going to kind of hit on tonight. So yep. they were... Location, food, shelter, equipment, and uh, exit is what I labeled it as. So that's kind of where we're going to go in, and we're closing in on, on our first topic, I guess, is location. So I'll, I'll, I'll head off on this one. You can start the next one. But uh, with location, I got two quick examples. I had a trip a few weeks ago with a couple of guys. We were going into the woods where we knew there was limited cell phone reception. And as a result, we were going to meet at the location we were hoping to camp at. We knew there was a good possibility that somebody else would beat us to the site and we'd have to go with a second or a third. These guys had pre-planned three sites that they wanted to hit and in an order they wanted to hit them in. So when we left, we already knew we were going here first. If this wasn't available, we'd go here and here. Because we had no way of passing this information on if we got back there and the other guy wasn't there. And this, even if it's not trying to meet up, if you get to a spot and it turns out to be unsuitable for whatever reason, uh, animals, flooding, whatever, you do need something. Like, what am I going to do if I get to my my? My plan's campsite, and I can't use it. Uh, and you need to thought. Yourself? Um, so, yeah. Location. 
contingency planning for me is, uh, I never really thought about the cell phone part of it. That's an excellent example to bring up. Mine was more, if you get to your site and realize that it's unusable, such as uh, when you and I went out, I try to always draw from our actual outing there because we did make a video on it and people can see some of the stuff there. Uh, it had been the first time I had been there in a little while. Uh, I had mentioned to you that it was at the base of a waterfall and we had to go down a fairly steep bank. So there was lots of things that potentially could have went wrong there. Like we couldn't get down the bank. The water had been too high. Maybe there'd be no spot down at the bottom for us to set up. Uh, or it was just high enough that it may not have been accommodating for us to have been able to set up or something like that. So I believe when we were talking about it, I told you our contingency was if for some reason we couldn't get down and go where we wanted to, that 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 top little field that was at the very top could be our backup plan. And I, and it was a nice spot to set up. There's a wood line there. We could set up our hammocks and we'd kind of have an open area. It was also kind of our contingency. If it had gotten, you know, we got down there and we found we didn't want to stay down there for whatever reason, be it noise or bugs or some sort of danger that we had not foreseen. And that was going to be our contingency. And when I look at, doing a contingency plan or even going out in the woods that's i should say that's always part of my contingency plan go to my original location hope it works out for the best because i mean let's be honest you're going out and you're hoping it's going to be what you think it is but then you kind of need to have something in your back pocket just in case it's not if for whatever reason like i said the area changed maybe where you went you thought there's going to be lots of trees and after this last hurricane now the trees you thought were going to be there to set up your hammock or whatever are gone um, or like I said, from our example, the water rose and it flooded out or you just couldn't get down there. You looked at it and you said, you know what? That got a lot sketchier from the last time I was here. Not even going to chance it. Cause we may roll an ankle or break a leg. So there's all those factors you got to think about when you pick your location, hope to mediate them as most you can, and then kind of prepare for if it all goes south on you or sideways, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah, and the reality is that not only does that happen, that happened to me this year. Uh, a trip that I had done, we had a, a plan of where we were going. The weather was so bad, our boats never made it. We we never did, for the first night, make it to our final location. We we didn't, it took a second night. We ended up crashing earlier on. We've discussed this in the, in a previous video, but I, and I think that strikes pretty close to home that this stuff happens. You don't, you won't always make it to where you want to go or it may not always work out. So having that thought is, is a great thing. And I think everybody, the other, oh, sorry, go ahead. I said, the other thing is I have a trip planned in the future for Keji. And that right now seems to be dead in the water as Keji looks to be, it'll be closed for next weekend. Yeah. So, so now I'm, you have to replan around that. Yes. Anyone got any good ideas? I'm begging you to tell me good places to hit next week. <laughs> and I think if anybody or everybody listening, if they think about it long enough and been in the woods a few times, they can probably think of their own examples from sometime they went into the woods and it wasn't exactly what they thought it was going to be. They, for whatever reason, the location they picked was not, ended up not being where they stayed. You know what I mean? So they probably made up a contingency plan on the spot and I think the main point we want to get across is it's a good idea to at least think about it before you land on site. So especially if you land in and it's getting dark and your resources are running low, you don't have to try and come up with that on the spot. Exactly. The more you think about this stuff, the more it becomes second nature. And then you don't really have to think about it. It's just something you do. Uh, 
So we've covered shelter. I think we can move on to a bit of a food right now. Yep. Uh, I know that this is a subject we both enjoy. <laughs> food is good. So um, I'll head this one up. Food for me, I continuously plan on that is uh, everybody overlooks it a little because they bring their food with them. But what you have to realize is it's pretty easy to bring food with you and something happened to it. For us, for instance, we were on the motorcycles. It'd be very easy for my bag to pop open, me not notice like some of my food rations followed on the road. So what am I going to do with that? Uh, it's not uncommon for people to bring food in. They bear bag it, store it in a tree or something. All of a sudden a squirrel gets added or a raccoon or something, not necessarily a bear, but something gets at it. And now some of your food supply is contaminated. So contingencies, you, you kind of have to keep that in mind and base some sort of contingency for that. So what I like to do is I bring fresh fruit, uh, foods, quote unquote, foods that might potentially give off smells that I think might be attracted to animals. And I bring food that I don't necessarily have to put with that. So something that's canned, bagged up, sealed in some other way, as well as in my bag, I always try to separate my food as uh, in that area, being like my fresh foods, again, something that might be smelly or whatever. I'll keep that in a, a plastic bag and put that one compartment of my kit bag. And then my like uh, trail mixes, my power bars, um, maybe my beef jerky even, I'll keep that in another location because generally I consider that my snack food and I'm, I'm usually digging into it before I ever set up camp anyway. So it's just convenient that I move something like that to the top of my pack. And ultimately the idea is if for some reason one half of my food storage gets, you know, scabbed for what, whatever reason, then I do have some sort of backup to go to. I may not eat well, but generally I always pack enough in both areas that if one goes missing or goes bad or something like that i can at least make a buy i may not be full and happy but i won't be starving and withering away I, although i know that might be a bit of a stretch there but uh what do you think ben uh i have, I have a similar principle there i mean i always overpack food and i i try not to but i always think you know what if i'm stuck out there for an extra day what if things don't go the way i plan so i always do have a little bit more food than i think i'm going to need and in our trip our, one of our plans was to try and catch some food for at least a meal. Um, and that semi worked out. I mean, neither of us were going to get fat on what we got. Uh, I don't know, Ben. <laughs> you were a, you were a fish slayer. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> well, I mean, I caught a few fish, but by no means enough to keep the two of us satisfied. Not even, not really. No. <laughs> um, and you let a nice one go away. Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, if it didn't, if you didn't catch it, it doesn't count. But like you said, the reality was the fish you caught might sustain one person, one meal, right? And the other thing we might want to talk about a little bit, because it is food, is is methods for preparing. So we both took uh, gas stoves, but I think we did almost all our cooking on the, on the fireplace. We sure did. So the gas stoves for us were the backups. Um, so not only the food itself, but your method of preparing it, always having some backup way to prepare it in case method A, a fire is not uh, feasible, possible, or realistic, having food that you can eat cold or having food that you can heat using a different method is uh, infinitely useful. So if we got out there and it just poured, it may have been too miserable to get out and have a decent fire. Um, 
or it may have been even more essential. And again, making the stoves impractical, but having those multiple methods really allowed us to adapt to whatever situation, you know. And, and what, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I think you were about to say what I was going to say. No, I was going to say, and along those lines, uh, even your methods of cooking, like we each brought a cook kit. I think we ended up cooking 90% of our food just over open flame. We cooked the fish over open flame. The meat was over open flame. I think my oatmeal was the only thing I made in any kind of container. But, uh, and and just having a couple of those, because once again, it's, it's easy to drop a pot, like a single pot. So I always try to take at least like a shallow pan and some sort of, pot ish item which in this instance happened to be my gi cup yeah but um yeah so anyway that that's i think that's all the major points on food that we wanted to try and hammer off there um so the next thing we were going to talk a little bit about was going to be shelter and in our situation that actually uh we're both hammock campers so in that instance ben what do you think a contingency could be for um for shelters, especially for hammock campers. So, so with the hammock shelters, um, a couple of things. We're kind of blessed, and we take a, a tarp. So, the tarp itself, even if we don't sleep in the hammock, can still become a shelter, a, a barrier. Um, and you can ground camp with a hammock. It's not as comfortable. It's not as enjoyable. But in the right set of circumstances, it's at least mine, mine anyways. It's a waterproof uh, hammock. So underneath, it's if I had to lay on damper ground, I wouldn't get too wet. I could pull everything down. So if we couldn't find suitable trees or a suitable location, even with suitable trees with widow makers and stuff, I'd still be able to create a safe sleeping area, protected from wind, rain, bugs, etc., cetera, uh, using slightly different methods. But we also had tools to make a more primitive shelter should the need arise. Uh, you want to expand on that, or uh, you pretty much hit all the topics I was going to say too. In for us, if we landed on site and for some reason it, we just couldn't set up our hammocks, the backup from that was going to be use our tarps as kind of a you know TP shelter or some sort of ground shelter, and that's why I brought the um, the wool blanket because for. And I almost ended up doing this on our second night. I figured if it got too cold or for whatever reason, I could always just hunker down beside the fire, throw the wool blanket over me, and at least I could, you know, nod off for a few hours there or something like that. So that was kind of a contingency to contingency. And, I mean, that is a bare-bone ones, too, for shelter. Like, that's just open skies beside a fire. That's that's very, very limited, and it was kind of my last-ditch effort. But like you said, I would um, the backup was to make some sort of porch mode tarp, if you know what I mean. If anybody's wondering yeah. what I mean, they can go search that on YouTube and you'll see a hundred examples. But uh, some sort of porch, mer- porch mode tarp shelter, and that would give us lots of uh, coverage from the elements as well as give us that underneath working area. So if we did have to cook, like you said, if the weather rolled in and it just turned out to be horrible and all we did was hide under our tarps the entire time, we could at least kind of buddy up and give ourselves a work area and a sleeping area and hopefully stay warm and stuff like that. And as you said, if, you know, for some reason all of that went to snot. We really could have built some sort of primitive shelter there. There was lots of materials on hand. They would have been live materials. Um, so when we were there, we did make the choice not to cut down live materials because we were trying to do the leave no trace thing. But if it yes. became a a necessity, 
the material was there for us to to work with to make some sort of shelter. And actually, I, uh, while we were there, we seen somebody's primitive shelter that they had built before. And I think I know who that is. And I think I told you. But anyway, there was a primitive shelter there. And we could have expanded on that, although perhaps his location was not the best um, after the time had passed. I don't know. When he set it up, maybe it was a prime location. But uh, when I looked at it, it, it might have been – I might have chose a little different. And yeah. back of that again, we had the top of the hill. We had the uh, – we had, you know, a little bit flatter ground. It was definitely higher up, which would have solved some of our cold issues. Um, and it was away from that damp wind of the waterfall and that, that constant air. But uh, that that was kind and of think, mine. Yeah, I think it really hit on one of the big points that needed to be made there. Um, it was really cold then. I, I had brought underquilts for both of us. You had your sleeping bag and blanket. I had my sleeping bag and, and a down blanket. And the reality is we found that our heat was adequate at best. <laughs> Would Not be even comfortably part. adequate. It was, we didn't freeze to death. <laughs> it was, yeah, we didn't freeze to death. I, I think we were relatively safe from there, but we weren't yeah. overly comfortable during the night. And we still had methods, like we could have put on extra clothing. We, I pulled stuff inside the sleeping bag to kind of bulk myself up a bit. Uh, I had uh, uh, thermal underwear, but I could have done more. Um, and th- those were things that we had available, but the, the end result, too, is in that case, fire would have been an, an alternate uh, method so that we could have used there. So Yeah, uh, for sure. And like you said, we weren't in danger of freezing to death. Uh, we didn't have to put in that extra effort. I think we kind of caused ourselves to maybe be a little cool because it was just convenient. We knew we weren't going to freeze to death and we were both tired because we both figured yeah. out it was going to be really cold at like, what, three in the morning? <laughs> oh, yeah. So we both kind of hobbled out of uh, our sleep system and wrapped it sure, up. Like- Sheer laziness. Like I could, I could get warmer, but that's going to get me cold for a few minutes, and I'm going to suffer rather than get colder. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I think this is a good segue. We can go into equipment. Yeah, because um, we're already kind of on that topic anyway. Yeah. So equipment is probably the broadest subject we have here, but I think it's it's the thing that we all think the most of. And my example earlier uh, was fire. Everyone says, you know, you should always have, was it one is none, two is one type thing. You should have like at least two to three, or if not more, uh, methods of starting fire. And I know we've talked about one of our last episodes was just on fire making alone. So uh, we've talked about the plethora of methods, but the reality is you should never be in there with just one. And having methods to extend those, like um, tea lights or the power pad, the little yeah, whatever fire those things are. Um, but there's a plethora of equipment that really everything should, if it's important enough to have one of, you should have some degree of backup. Um, I can throw a couple of deer methods for cutting wood, um, clothing. You want to carry this on? Uh, so yeah, like you said, one is none and two is one and three is two kind of deal. And I'm a big believer in have three of everything that you absolutely need. So like I said with the pots, you should have three methods of cooking. I have my GI, my shower pot, and another pot. 
cutting, I had three knives. I had one on my multi-tool, a pocket folder, and the fixed blade that I was wearing on my belt. For cutting, like, beyond a knife, that's where I was a little slack. I had the axe, I had a saw on my multi-tool, but I didn't bring a third method because you were bringing the, uh, the other saw, and I relied on that as my third method. And I think in the the situation we were in where there was two of us, it was safe to say we had previously agreed in our planning that you would bring the saw, and that's why I did get a little lax off that. But for the fire methods, uh, we both had our full fire kits, so I'm, I'm pretty sure between us we probably had like 10 methods to light fires. But uh, yeah. because, I mean, everybody loves fire. Who doesn't love fire? You, you're definitely going to get that we're fire all, going. We're all pyromaniacs at heart. Um... But, but that's exactly the point. We had contingencies. And in fact, in those, in that instance, part of the contingency is we got together, not physically, but through, through this medium and discussed our trip and, and what we were taking and not, and making sure that we had adequate resources. To me, the, the, the saw and the axe, those are redundancies. We can do most of, with one is what we can do with the other. It's not the exact same method, but the end result is we can, Live wood into smaller amounts. And I think we uh, ended up only using the axe a couple times, honestly. Split some initial kindling, and then we used the uh, the saw for the remainder of it. And Chris made a good point here, too. Just while we got a little time left on this topic, he says, what about overthinking backup plans and causing unneeded stress by that? Like carrying too much, just in case, gear, food, equipment, etc. Uh, do you want, you want to give a little input on that before I do? Uh, sure. I mean, you definitely don't want to go to, to the other extreme and take 24 knives and 75 lighters and, and, and to the point where it is extreme. But having a backup or at least a plan, it, not all backups need, mean you physically need to bring something in. Um, I've often gone in and carved spoons and, and, and uh, utensils. So my backup plan, besides the small set I would carry, would be to, to be able to make one. Uh, or with 10 pegs, I've often cut 10 pegs in there rather than carry extra. Um, and when you get there, this is your thing. You know you're setting up a, a shelter or whatever. You have in your head already methods that you can produce this in the field or come up with other things like tying to rocks or logs instead of using 10 pegs. The, the contingency doesn't have to be something you drag with you but at least something you thought about and at least have some kind of concept before you're going in. The concept may not work, but at least you had something to start with. And ingenuity is, was it the necessity is the mother of invention. If you, you know what you need, you'll find something to solve the problem, but giving yourself that fighting chance by getting it ahead is the trick, I think. And I can't, I completely agree with you. The only two cents I would have on that is not bringing too much, uh, also comes with a bit of experience. I think we're all guilty for overpacking at one time or another, and you learn from that, and the next time you thin it out and realize exactly what you need and what you don't need. So even in the best instances, I think it's still possible to overpack, and honestly, I would probably prefer to overpack a tiny bit, as long as I could still be have confidence in carrying my bag to where I want to than to skip something. But once again, I think that's going to completely come with experience. Uh, but on that, remembering everything you have to take in, 
you also have to leave with, right? So that brings us to our last topic, which is exiting or getting out of your location. And basically, what we mean by that is you might have come in one way, but let's say you're there for a weekend or something like that, a storm rolled in, and it washed the road out. Now you can no longer take your vehicle down said road or the path that you traveled had flooded a little bit and you just don't want to wade in knee-deep water. You should or at least safely-wise, you should have another idea of how you're going to get out of a specific area. So for us, we had come in one way, uh, which involved a little bit of bushwhacking and stuff there, because we had agreed upon it originally that it looked like it was going to be less effort and it was going to work better for us. But the contingency we had on that was if it went to snot, like we went in and found that we were just killing our stuff, or killing ourselves, getting in then our contingency was there was actually a full trail there that we could have walked out however yeah. we found that that trail actually ended up being a little bit wet so there's a perfect example of where the contingency might have had to be changed a little because we weren't expecting the amount of water we ran into we ran into two pretty uh two pretty good water holes and i have confidence that if we had kept down that trail we probably would have moved into more of them um so yeah, that, that's that's really the point I wanted to make on exiting, is just make sure that you don't get yourself trapped in with only one way in and one way out. Uh, in the fire service, we say that the way in is your way out until it's not. So then what do you do? And you don't want to be thinking about that at the time. Because, yeah, you might have all the time in the world, but also you might have snuck out a little late, packed up a little late, and now it's getting dark again, and you can't get out the way you thought you were. So it's just something to think about and keep your eyes open as you're coming in for signs that maybe your exit plan is not going to go the way you thought. What about you, uh, Part of it was actually your wife. She knew where we were and knew that if we weren't out at a certain time, that she was going to send people to uh, look for us. And and assuming that you guys have a good relationship, I was really hoping on that. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I was really hoping on that, too. I guess we were going to find out. Yeah. But, yeah, but good example. That That is something, again, you're not necessarily packing or dragging it in, but you're putting in, in, a, in a system, a series of events, that if you don't come out on your own at a certain time, that – Somebody should at least come looking for you and see if you need help or what's going on. I mean, it could have been as bad as little as us getting out and the bikes wouldn't start. I mean, they are motorcycles or, and motorcycles are finicky. Yeah. Or that on the way out, we only made it 50 feet and we dropped one of the bikes and damaged it to the point where it couldn't make the trip out. And then we would have had to come up with an alternate uh, method. We had extremely spotty reception back there. Yeah, we actually got reception in a spot where we didn't think we were going to have it at all. It was kind of weird, but... Yeah. But we did. We did get a, a few minutes when we got just to book the bikes, I believe it was. We got some texts and stuff come in, and then I think we lost it shortly thereafter. So it was a brief period where we had decent signal and then nothing again. Yeah, it was like a 10 so, by 10 spot. It was literally a square of reception. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a method, like, when you're in the woods, especially in this digital age where um, the old analog phones are actually in some ways superior to the digital ones, there's more towers now, but there are still dead areas. It's just the areas where people tend to be have good reception. The area where people tend to be less, uh, which is where I think the majority of our viewers and us tend to, to live and want to be, is where we will have the, the least amount of reception. So the contingency for us 
is not that we're going to call for someone to come get us because we don't know that's going to work. It's people know that if we're not out at a certain time that they can come get us. Our main plan is that we're going to get out ourselves. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Uh, sorry, I kind of zoned out there for a sec. I just happened to glance over and seen something Chris said. Uh, how would you suggest finding a sweet spot for that? I think he was talking about our previous segment and equipment there about between having too much and not enough. And Chris, the only real short answer I can give to that is you won't know until you know. Uh, try not to take too much. Like if you're thinking, ah, I might be, you know, overdoing it, there's a real good chance you might be. And if you're thinking, I hope I don't get stuck with blank, you may want to plan for blank. And that's Yeah, you have, you have to determine what's essential and what's comfort, first off. You don't need contingencies for comfort. You need contingencies for survival. So I think the big contingencies are food, shelter, fire, things like like that. Things that are, are potentially going to, and in a lot of ways, fire itself is a contingency. But a lot of these methods, because we talked about that, fire is not necess- a necessity for life, but a huge comfort and a, and an extender at the time you're going to spend out there and enjoy. Uh, so fire in itself, in some way, a contingency for the the loss of a decent shelter or uh, or warmth, you know what I mean? Like your sleeping system fails, gets wet, whatever. I mean, this stuff happens. I've been in the woods where people's sleeping bags have fallen in the river. Without something like a fire is the contingency to, to dry yourself out. You don't have that. First so day I was there, keep... I slipped in the river. It bound me to the fire for the first day. Yes. Yeah. We weren't planning uh, on that. I went with uh, Jeremy, Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf 902, for you, those you want to look him up. Uh, the first day of our trip in, we were only in for a few minutes, and he basically sunk his kayak. All his gear got soaked. We managed to get a good I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing at the situation. But we managed to, as three experienced uh, woods guys in the woods, we managed to get to sh- safety. So we got to shore. We We found shelter, like enough trees and stuff, set up our hammocks and stuff, got a decent fire going, got everything dried out. Everyone slept decent that night. In fact, it was a great site. It was a complete contingency plan. Or not a... And it was done on the fly. But we got to a point we realized this isn't going to work, and everyone kind of knew kind of what to do. And we, we discussed the options, but decided that staying put... In that weather, it was the best option. We, we were far enough in the woods that we, we weren't going to be, have any problems. We set up. We got out of there. And I think that kind of sums it up. The whole theory of this contingency is think about potential situations. Think about what you're going to do if things go wrong, what extra equipment you need to take, or at least what you're going to do if plan A doesn't work out. Um, I've got... I, I I'm a bit of a planner by nature. It was a job of mine for a while. And I always try to think of a second or third option. So if, if I get here and this isn't working, this is what I'll probably do. You're going to have to reevaluate as this, as the situation unfolds. You Things will never always work exactly as you plan. But at least if you've already thinking of alternate options, when it comes to that point, it's going to be much more second nature. And you'll come up with new ideas quicker and easier. And that's kind of my, my take on the whole contingency, I really And you know what? I think you hit all the major points there. That's exactly what it is. And 
I apologize. I am probably going to butcher your name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Kashiri? Kashiri made the point that uh, their parents always know where they're going and for how long, and if they don't hear from them, they're going to make a call and at least get something going. And I mean, at the end of the day, bottom line, that's exactly what you should have. If you go into the woods, somebody should know you're going into the woods for your own comfort and um, security you should have contingencies for all the topics we talked about and just like ben said at the end of the day it, it may not be a sat down super written down plan you may have to come up with something on spot and your experience is going to aid you a lot in that but at the very least let somebody know you're going into the woods and when you expect to be out and if they don't hear from you by expected time Get them to at least take a drive up to where you should be or send somebody up to where you should be and make sure that you're all good. Maybe your vehicle died and you're just waiting for a jump. Maybe you rolled an ankle, unfortunately, you can't get out. So, I mean, it could be both extremes there and it, it's just a good idea to cover your behind because we, we, I think we strive for safety in almost everything we talk about and at the end of the day, that's just exactly what it is. It's being safe and it's being smart. Yeah, and that's exactly, and as, as experience, the more you, you do this, the more experience you got, the more you'll know exactly what to plan for and what not to plan for. Because if, as the more you do it, you kind of know what's going to happen and know what could happen. And you'll, you'll have, it, it truly does, I think, come a bit of a, I use the word here a lot, second nature. But at that point, that's the important part, but you get that through experience and, uh, and thinking. Um, and I'm going to correct myself because he gave me a phonetics here or they gave oh. me phonetics here. It's Kacheri. Did Kacheri. I say it right that time? Kacheri. Anyway, hopefully I corrected myself and that's correct. I don't like using last names, but if anybody wants to see them, it'll be on the comments there somewhere. And, uh, if they care to give any more input and beyond that, you can get in contact with them and, I'm going to leave it at that. But uh, yeah, I, I think we hit the major points we wanted to talk about there, Ben. Um, so in closing, it's it's just... So Chris just brought up a point. We might as well talk about it because we've got a few seconds left there. Uh, you spoke on being a big digital communication age and newer phones not having connectivity that well in the woods. Do you have a backup plan for that? Short range radio, walkie-talkie, sat phone, emergency GPS locator, etc. So I'll, I'll say a real quick uh, blurb on this myself. Depending on where I'm going, if it's a location I know somebody else can get to to see if I'm there, uh, my phone may be my only means of communication and it may just be them coming to find me if i'm going in a group of people and we're planning to be further apart than shouting distance uh i generally have some uh actually right up here i have a whole bunch of these and i generally take those and they're chargeable through usb with my um usb power pack and the solar panel thing we talked about and then on the other extreme end if i'm going yeah similar to what ben has there too so they're just two-way radios and if i'm going somewhere i have never been and it's way out there and you know the risk is high i have uh what's called a spot device and i think i've only ever used it once but the spot is a gps device and it basically just tracks your location and reports that back. Uh, I think it's good for a couple days on one charge. 
and I generally try to keep my time out to under that time. And basically, if that spot stops moving and I haven't gotten back by said time, at least people have an idea of where to start looking for me and figure out what went wrong. What about you, Ben? Um, yeah, I mean, I do have the two-way radios. I don't use them very often. Um, I've always considered the cell phone the backup plan. The main plan is people do know where I'm going. I have a fair amount of experience and knowledge that I expect to be able to get out. The cell phone to me has been a comfort item. It's an item that I know generally if something does go wrong, I can usually hit high ground and get some signal. Uh, I also tend to camp as much as I can with others. I don't do a lot of solo camping. So you're, we are in each other's backup plan in some way. If something had happened to me and I couldn't climb out of that, that river, you could have went for help. You would have made sure I was relatively safe, I hope, and then went to get help or at least went to you could get your cell phone in. Um, and so the cell phone is a contingency plan in that case, and it's an extender of our abilities and, and, and stuff. But I mainly depend on, on myself. I do not always expect someone's going to come help me. But I do have that contingency there, too, that there's family and friends who know where I'm to and will come for me. So it's all part of the overall greater plan, I guess. Does that kind of answer the question, I hope? And, yeah, I, I think that covers it up. And like I said, bare minimum, let somebody know where you're at. And just because I want to say it again, just like Kacheri, even just tell your parents, your significant other, brother, sister, doesn't matter. She lets her parents know that's where she's going and... That's as simple as it needs to be. I mean, it's it's something. You know what I mean? You're at least just not shooting shooting from the hip and going blind. So to, you know, say two cliche things. But uh, I think that just about wraps it up for us tonight there, Ben. Was there any final thoughts you want to throw in on that? Or No, I think we've covered it pretty good. And, and I mean, I hope people get out there and, and enjoy it. Um, I, I, I certainly am still planning on getting out in a week next weekend to do a, a, a trip. It's not going to be the trip I think I had originally planned, but I'm still open to Kedgy opening up. But if it doesn't, I will have a contingency. There will be somewhere else for us to go. It may not be the exact same type of trip, but we are planning on still doing this. We will inform people. We will have backup plans as part of that. And it in itself will still be a backup plan. All right. So, so, yeah, that's it for us. Uh, I hope you guys liked the new shorter format. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And as always, get out there, get dirty, try things, but do it safely with a contingency plan. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Night off.